0: Confident Gymnast Camp this August 3rd and 4th. This camp is all about breaking through mental blocks. So if you're struggling with a skill and you want me and my team to help you break through in real time, then check out confidentgymnast.com for details. Hi guys, on today's podcast, I'm talking with Dr. Keegan Hadley, who's the author of a new book on overcoming the mental challenges of an ACL injury. He's a former football player, and he's got some really great insights on how to help change your thinking and how to kind of work with your thoughts instead of against them. So if you are either struggling with some thoughts running wild or overcoming an injury, this is a great episode for you. Welcome to the Perform Happy Podcast, where athletes and their support squad come to learn the secret weapon for sports success. I'm your host, Rebecca Smith. First, I was a scaredy cat gymnast, then a coach. Now I'm a sports psychology expert and a parent. Athletes, whether you're feeling stuck or you're having the best season of your life, I'm here to help you reach peak performance and maximum enjoyment. Hi guys. Welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have this special episode with Dr. Keegan Hadley, who is the author of Torn, Overcoming the Psychological Challenges Post ACL Injury. He is a former football player. He played in college. He also played for a pro team in Canada and he tore both of his ACLs and has got a lot of experience as a result. Now, just a little heads up. Um, if there are any, younger ones, or there's sort of a trigger warning here. We do talk about some topics that might be a little sensitive, including suicide. So if anybody is struggling with those types of thoughts, definitely get help. Find yourself the Suicide Prevention Hotline. Um, and if this is a trigger, you might wanna might want to skip this one, but just wanted to let you know. And here we go. Welcome to the show, Keegan.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much, Rebecca. It's It's a pleasure to be here
0: so nice to have you. So I always like to kind of start with a story, like what leads a guy like you to write a book like that? How did you get from, you know, little guy who likes football to, you know, doctorate and an author. Tell us how you got there.
1: Yeah, for sure. So um, I was an athlete for a long time, 20 years or so. Um, I played football was kind of my my thing, I guess. So um, like most athletes had a lot of injuries and stuff on the way, but Um, A couple times I tore my ACL. I've torn each of my ACLs one time. I had to keep it very equal. The first time happened in undergrad, basically throughout undergrad, just as a student, I was, I I basically identified as an athlete. I, I worked hard in school. I got good grades and everything, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do exactly. I was I was just in pre-med so I could go to med school or any kind of grad school you really wanted at the time. Um, and I basically focused all my energy on football. The start of my junior year, um, after I had just had a fantastic off-season spring ball and I was ready to really, you know, make some noise, I tore my left ACL to beginning a fall camp for those who are kind of accustomed to fall camp and know what that is it's when they bring the uh, fall athletes in early you know to go through camp which is usually particularly grueling even though now i'm old enough to where they don't even have two a days I hear. so that's not well,
0: so wait fall camp is like when it's a hundred million degrees out and they just run you for like yeah. days and days and days and everyone is just-
1: it's, okay. it's essentially what you think of when you think of a football movie and they're just getting, you know, conditioned like crazy. So yeah. picture that and it was about a week into that. Everything was going really, really well. And I tore my first ACL, the left one. After uh, about a month and a half of rehab, I still played in three games uh, with a brace and everything. But and then I had surgery, as, as you do with an ACL injury, um, trained like crazy for my senior year. And because I was a transfer from an NCAA school to a smaller NAI school, I was actually found to be ineligible because I had too many credits. So at this point, you know, I, I was pretty disheartened just because anyone who's been through this kind of injury knows it's it takes a lot of work to get back to where you're feeling well. And um, it was very um, excruciating not to be able to kind of finish my career with all of my, you know, brothers, essentially. So I, uh, after mourning for a little while, um, I, I used all of that kind of angry energy, I guess, to start training again because I didn't want to end football. I wanted to end football on my terms. <laughs> that was the plan anyway. So I started training like crazy for combines, uh, which is where you essentially have football players run different drills or whatever and time them. And I, I was lucky enough to do well in a couple of those. And I ended up signing with a a very small arena football team and actually got myself an agent as well, which was kind of a very interesting time in my life. I got to go travel a couple places and train with some ex-NFL players. So that was a lot of fun. And before I even played my first game in the arena league I was in, I got called up to do a private tryout with a Canadian football league team, um, in Ohio, the Canadian, the CFL is essentially like the NFL of Canada, definitely not as big, but it was, it was exciting for me, you know, who hadn't played in a couple of years. It was a fantastic, um, experience. I, I got all the way through the workout and did, did really well. It was exciting to play against like bigger schools and stuff like that, because I was, I was from a tiny little school. And the last rep of one-on-ones, I was doing the same exact move, but the opposite way. Um, and I tore my right ACL. Mm. At that point, I basically went off the deep end uh, emotionally or psychologically. I had, I had a very difficult time. I had At this point, I had already had uh, some difficulties in my relationships just because I was so internally angry and I'm very quiet. So it's not like I was yelling or anything wild like that, but I was just very upset um, and, and this obviously made it ten times worse and I continued to make some poor relationship decisions at this point in my life where i would um, where I was ended up dating a who I would find out was an alcoholic and I kind of endured some emotional abuse just due to that fact and that kind of leads me to grad school so while I was going through this difficult time in my life you know dealing with some traumatic experiences, the injuries and you know, self-identity loss and everything else. Um, I was going to school. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with it. The reason I went into occupational therapy is because it was like me, it was very flexible. I could work. I, I always had a heck of a time picking between like physical therapy or psychology, because I was I obviously had spent a lot of time with physical therapists, but I had my own mental health challenges that I've that I'd had since I was a freshman in high school. So I, I was very, um, you know, interested and wanted to help others like that. So kind of the uh, happy marriage between those two is occupational therapy. And I absolutely love it. I, I would never change that for the world. And as I was going through that, because of that relationship that I spoke of, I, I was suicidal for uh, quite a period of time, just due to the events that transpired. And I knew if I kept Heading down the path I was going, my life wouldn't end up the way I wanted. So I knew I needed to start going to therapy. And I, I, I eventually went to a therapist. And when I was at the therapist, I, I had a rough time initially. And that, that's because they used like typical cognitive behavioral therapy. I'm sure you're decently well versed in that and understand it. And my my brain just can't function that way. So essentially, if someone says, hey, you know, don't look over here. I'm the kind of person that will look and then stare in that direction. It's the same with thoughts too. I can't, I I can't change my thoughts. I have a really hard time with that. So I did, I'm the kind of person who gets like obsessively researchy, I guess. I'm very nerdy that way. I'll I'll get into a subject and just spend days on it. So I found acceptance and commitment therapy, um, which essentially is, it's a type of CBT, but just slightly different. Um, It it allows you to kind of live with your thoughts and you you don't have to like forcibly try to change them. That's just a 10,000 foot overview I'll give at the moment. But I found that and that helped me through a lot of those traumatic experiences I went through relationally. And then I also was starting to apply that to my uh, physical recovery uh, and and all the issues and loss that I had felt due to my physical injuries. So after I, I had that deep dive and then I did I did all that researching. I, I found that I had like 200 resources on, you know this uh, this type of therapy and the different ways it was beneficial and this that and the other thing. So I decided to sit down and write a book, not necessarily for anyone else, but just as like a cathartic process for me, going through what I went through and just kind of uh, getting it all on paper, and it, it felt great. Um, and then I, it, one of the parts, the, the hardest part for me was actually deciding, do I want to live my life by these skills that I've acquired or, you know, because if, if you put a book out with your name on it and you saying, you know, this stuff really works, it's really worked for me. You kind of have to really take a step back and go, well, how, how serious do you want to be about this? And I, I knew I'm, you know, very, very passionate about helping these individuals. So I, I figured I better buy in. So mm-hmm. that's kind of how it transpired, I guess.
0: Awesome. Okay. So now for those of us out in the audience who are not psychology majors, who are like CBT, ACT, what on earth? Can you give an example of an ACT, you know, acceptance commitment therapy, I have that right. Yeah. Some like an exercise that somebody might apply or one that you applied so that people will be like, Oh, I understand.
1: Yeah. Okay. So CBT generally, like I said, um, for me, I'll just use my personal experience and what, what I do regularly. So my word that I always had in my head, everyone's kind of got that negative thought that's kind of persistent. Mine was broken. Um, I, I always have had extremely bad anxiety. And that, that is what that um, significant other told me I was all the time. No one would ever want to be with me, this, that, and the other thing. And CBT essentially says change that thought into, I'll just use a very easy example. Like um, instead of thinking you are broken, think of your favorite pie. Well, essentially, if you keep doing that, yeah, it might work great, but you're going to start to associate your favorite piece of pie with you being broken because you know there's a link there. I mean, your brain works in pretty uh, amazing ways. So uh, ACT essentially works by, okay, if I have the thought I'm broken, which I still have, um, you know, a decent amount of times a day or a week. I just am able to say it's. It gives yourself space. So this was actually the most transformative thing. the The first session of my new ther uh, th- with my new therapist, who is an ACT therapist. You need to realize. They told me that you aren't your thoughts. So in, instead of me having thoughts that you know I am broken, it was giving yourself that space and being able to evaluate the thoughts and kind of rationalize and say, "I am having thoughts. I am broken." So it's just yourself that space to realize we can't control our thoughts and kind of coming to terms with whatever, you know, crazy thing might come into your head.
0: Mm -hmm. That makes, that reminds me of this little example that I've used with like younger athletes that I have, have them imagine you are a mountain. Okay. So Keegan, you're a mountain and here comes a cloud and the cloud is coming by and now you're getting rained on. Mm -hmm. So you, the mountain, how are you going to react? And the kids are like, Oh no, it's raining. Oh no. But no, I no, you're a mountain. You're just being a mountain. And there just happens to be rain or now the sun is shining. Are you going, Oh, it's so hot. Oh my gosh. I'm the hottest mountain ever. No, you're just, a, you're still a mountain and there's, there's a cloud and it goes and there's the thunder and the lightning. And now there's a deer stepping on your face, but like, you're still just a mountain yeah. and it's like that, the ability to detach. So if you're the mountain and your thoughts are the weather, then you're having a fear thought, you're having an anxious thought, you're having an angry thought, but you're still just a mountain. You are not the weather. You don't you don't have to engage and wrestle with all of those experiences that are coming through. You're just sort of observing and going, "Huh, I am having a fear thought in this moment. Is that sort of does that does that line up with the way you see it?"
1: That's one of the there's six skills that kind of go into ACT ACT principles, and the first one that was most transformative for me initially was diffusion, which is kind of what you're discussing right now. So it's hitting uh one of the worst things that that I can that I've had for a long time or had is cognitive fusion so you literally almost meld with your thoughts and that's that's kind of what you're discussing.
0: Yeah and and I think a lot of us when we're having an emotion are like I am fill in the blank versus I am Rebecca And I'm experiencing X or I am feeling disappointed instead of I am a disappointment or even that, that statement, I'm scared.
1: Yeah. It's
0: like you transform from the mountain to like, like an emotion, like I am fear. Yeah. And for me, it was like, I'm not talented, I'm too tall. And like we all have the, you know, you mentioned that. I'm like every single person listening is like, oh, I know what mine is. Yeah. Like we all have those little things that like the bully said in seventh grade, or you know, like that it just kind of lodges itself in there, the mean coach like you're not fast or you're too tall, or and and for us to be able to be like, like, okay, what do you do with that, Keegan? So we're the kid out there who's like, My coach told me I'm not, I'm not strong. What do I do when that pops into my head?
1: Yeah. So what I I do personally is I think of, I mean, from on a day-to-day basis, a lot of weird things pop into all of our minds. Essentially, ACT therapy allows you to say, oh, this is a useful thought and kind of latch onto that and really focus on that and see how that can benefit you. Or if it's not like uh, broken for me or you're too slow or too tall, you can just kind of let that be because the more you wrestle with that thought, the more power you're giving it and the, the more persistent it will be there. So the more you try to shove that thought out, you know, the, the more uh, desperately it'll cling to you.
0: Mm-hmm. So that makes you think about it. like I So I, I learned an example. <laughs> so what so what that makes you think about is I worked with some swimmers when I was doing internships a long time ago and I would have them, I'd say, okay, everybody, you're not allowed to think from this end of the pool to that end of the pool. And they'd have to swim from one side to the other with no thoughts allowed. And they get to the other end and they'd be like, oh no, I failed. I thought, and I was like, shoot, no thinking. And, you know, when they're trying to like clamp down and not think, It's just this like big wrestling match with their thoughts the whole time. And then, you know, I'd say, okay, we'll try to swim a lap and let your mind do whatever it wants. Just like, let it go wherever it wants. And they were like, I don't know what to think. So I just swam. (laughs) (laughs) That's the point. If you're giving yourself, if you're not like trying to control the thoughts, it's really interesting and kind of backwards. Like, can you, can you give me an explanation? Like, why does that happen? Why is it? That when we finally let our minds like kind of be, that they cooperate a little bit better. Hey guys, quick announcement break. Right now we at Complete Performance Coaching are looking for five athletes who are ready to break through their mental blocks for good. If that sounds like you or your child, then sign up for a free consultation call with one of my amazing coaches as soon as possible to see if you're a good fit for our Perform Happy Elite training program. This program includes one-on-one coaching with the world's top mental performance coaches, plus tons of support for athletes and their parents in between sessions. You can sign up today at completeperformancecoaching.com slash consult. Talk to you soon.
1: Yeah, because I, I think what happens for me is because subconsciously, you know, what you're trying to do, and it makes it that much harder. It, I, I like to, I'm, I'm a very visual person. So when I do these things, I, I see certain things. So essentially, to me, what, what that is, is pretend you're in like a dollhouse almost, and you're trying to close out whatever thought that is Hey, don't don't think while you're swimming. the the more you try to shut yourself in that dollhouse, it's almost like your thought is seeping through, you know, the little windows and the door and everything else, try like doing whatever it can to come in. Your, your brain can't just forget things. There's no control delete button for the brain. So, I mean, it it knows what was said. It knows what you're not supposed to do or what you're trying not to do. And the more you fight that, the more, the the more it's just going to be there. There's, there's no delete uh, button as I alluded to. So.
0: But then, okay, going along with your image, but if you just let the windows stay open in the dollhouse, like thoughts come in and they blow right out. And then there you are. And you're not, you're not like trapping yourself in there with the thoughts. You just got the windows open. You're like, yeah, it's coming. It's going.
1: Yep. And you put a lot less pressure on yourself because if you know, you're always going to have these kind of random thoughts, whether they're good, they're bad or whatever, you know, you just need to function through your life. Um, you know, keep trucking along and, and it gets easier as you go along. Oh, because a lot of people try, well, if I think that, you know, I'm not going to be able to function. Well, what people really find is the worry of them not being able to function is much worse than that feeling of anxiety. So for example, when initially, when I was, you know, before started going to therapy, I would have a really hard time, you know, speaking anywhere in public or, you know, any, a lot of social gatherings or anything, I would have a lot of, um, like tension and almost pain in my chest just from my anxiety. And when I learned that if I just sit there and allow myself to be with my anxiety, kind of like mindfulness, it does pass. I mean, it's not as it bad, but you worry about how bad, you know, whatever they, whether it's, you know, sadness, anxiety, being with that emotion is a lot less scary than the worry or the fear of it's going to consume you. So.
0: Yes. I actually named mine Rhonda. (laughs) That was what, so I also like, I'm a sort of higher strung human. I think we're all wounded healers, right. Who work in the mental health space. So yeah, anxiety for me would just like crop up and I'd be like, oh no, oh no, this is not good. And I finally was like, Hey girl, I see you there, Rhonda. What's up? Well, how are you? And I just was like, okay, Rhonda came for a visit. Now what? It's really freeing to be like, again, it's like it's not like I am anxious. it's I am experiencing anxiety in my body, and there are other facts of this situation, and yeah. I'm feeling myself sitting on a chair also, and mm-hmm. I look and I see something shiny in the distance. It's like we get so wrapped up into the thing we think is wrong that when we just let it be there, yeah. like okay, hair, hello nerves, yeah. and other things can exist as well,
1: yeah certainly uh, there's a there's some kind of thought or notion uh that's it's very prevalent like you just don't want to be sad or, you know you don't have any negative thoughts and i mean it just doesn't it's not very conducive to a, to a fulfilling life because you're not really gonna you know um appreciate the good times or you know there's instances when you definitely need to be sad like if you you know if a loved one passes away i mean it would be kind of scary if you weren't sad and you weren't experiencing the grief. And that's due to, you know, where you hurt, hurt the most is what you love the most. So, I mean, it's, it's kind of important to feel those things.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and and going back to injury, right. That's your, that's your specialty. There are so many emotions that happen when someone gets injured. You know, there's the, there's anger, there's, there's sadness, there's depression, all of those feelings. Um, Did you give yourself room to feel them when it first happened? Or were you in that, like, I'm just going to push it down and pretend everything's okay. What was that experience like for
1: you? I definitely, especially being a male football player, it's, I definitely wouldn't outwardly have any of those emotions, especially in public, but anyone who is close to me, especially if they might not have known You know exactly what was going on but they could probably tell something was happening if they knew me very well but i i never really gave until i started this therapy and really digging back into you know previous um, memories and stuff like that i i didn't really fully experience it and that that cost me a lot along the way so i mean that's that's one of the reasons why i wanted to write the book is you kind of it can snowball to where yes you hurt yourself playing a sport you love but I mean that can cascade into your school life, your work life, your personal life. And I mean it can really take a lot over. And that's that, that's why I wanted to kind of bring light to this because it'll affect everything.
0: So mm-hmm. I, I feel like that that applies to both the physical injury and emotional. That if you like if you're playing hurt and you're like, I'm fine, I'm fine, it's fine, I don't wanna talk about it, I don't wanna deal with it. I'm just gonna pretend I'm not hurt. I'm gonna pretend it's okay. Mm-hmm. The long-term implications are so much worse because it's like you're getting overuse injuries. So many gymnasts that we work with are like way too tough for their own good. And if they would have just said, you know what, I think I need help right away, whether it's a fear, whether it's an injury, they can back it up. They can ease in, they can rehab. And then they're back in action much sooner. Same with the emotions. They're like, I'm fine. I'm not sad. I'm not angry. It's okay. I don't want to talk about it. It's like, it 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 grows, you know? Yeah. So so, uh, any message to the the little too tough for their own good person out there, physically or mentally?
1: Yes, <laughs> uh, my my message would be essentially, you're only putting a bandaid on whatever you think you're fixing. So, if, if you're just working through a you know a physical injury and you think, oh this this won't bother me, I, I'm just going to push through it and I'm not going to miss any practice. Well, you you could find yourself like me missing. Years of what you love, and um, that's even worse for the mental uh, stuff because as athletes, no one has really talked about this so you might be using your sport you're like, oh I, I'm hurting you know mentally, I'm sad, I'm anxious, but I'll just dive into my sport well again, those kind of th- that's a very dangerous game you're playing because eventually no matter what your sport you're playing, whether you're like me and it's kind of taken away unexpectedly or you eventually have to retire, you have no skills or, you know, uh, beneficial coping mechanisms to deal with anything that happens to you from then moving on um, because you've just used your sport or working out or whatever the case may be is your coping mes- mechanism. So that can put you in a lot of less than ideal situations. So.
0: Mm-hmm. That's such a great point. Cause I, I mean, and you talk about the loss of identity. If your only coping mechanism is your sport, which for me, I had kind of a a challenging adolescence who doesn't. I mean, really, realistically. So I was like, I'm just going to do my sport. That's what I'm going to do. La 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 la. I don't want to think about it and then my sport's over and it's this crisis of, "Well, yep. who am I? Am I even good at anything?" I mean, so and you got that twice. <laughs> you had the you had the like, "Who am I? Oh my gosh, what am I doing?" and then like you went back and played, you know, semi pro and I was like, "Uh, I'm going to play Uh, coach because I need to be in the gym because I don't know what to do with myself. So let's start with how do you prevent that loss of identity when you do officially transition from athlete to the next stage of life?
1: What I did personally is I I had to take a step back and that's actually what led me to, you know, uh, writing the books I'm writing about, to who I'm helping with my consulting business, to uh, taking a step back on, well, what do I really love? What makes me most passionate? So for me, it was, you know, why, why do you love football so much? And I had to, you know, take uh, a number of steps back and look at why that was. And essentially for me, I'll just give an example again. Um, I, I love football so much is because it's essentially the um, embodiment of my relationship with my father. Cause he, he was my coach when I was young. So I love playing football. I like getting, you know, uh, putting everything I had into it and I loved. Being good at it and it all stemmed from that connection. And that's the kind of connection I like. I want to continue to have with people who I'm most passionate about. And for me, that's ACL patients. So just being able to take a step back and look at, because whatever's hurting you, if you really dig into that, it's also what you love the most. So that's, that's kind of, for, for me, it was losing out on the sport because of the ACL injury, but you know, it, it can take a lot of different forms. So I work with, um, there's a football player in the area. I am that I'm working with who essentially loves playing football because they, they love feeling, um, powerful. Essentially it was kind of what, what we're getting at. And I, I want Them to realize, you know, there's more than just one way to. In this case, feel powerful, you know. Being able to take a step back and look at why you love what you love is is essentially what I would say. It's been the most effective for me because, I mean, it it allows you to pivot most seamlessly into your post-athletic life. So,
0: Mm, so good. And I think everybody can think about, like, okay, what's the why beneath? Yeah, I like to flip. Yep. but there's but i can look at like my relationship with gymnastics for example and go well i loved being with my team i loved supporting my team i loved being a part of something i loved working hard and getting better at something and i can do those things in my grown up life without a balance beam yep. and be very very fulfilled through my work or through even like pilates can be extraordinarily fulfilling when i'm like i'm working hard and getting stronger yep. that is what i like and it doesn't have to look a certain way. So I think that's a really great invitation for, for listeners to, to ask yourself like, why, why really beyond, beyond the, you know, the sport itself. Cause I think we all have a deeper why that, that you can find even when you're injured that you can tap into. Yep, Very cool. So what are you, so who are you helping today? And, um, and if there's anybody out there who needs your help, what can they come to you for? Tell us all about your current, your current consulting business.
1: Yeah, so essentially, um, what I'm working on right now is I work with athletes specifically who are struggling with their recovery, mainly uh, knee injuries, just because of my past and you know what I've had to overcome and how, how I'm doing now physically. But I also deal with them a lot, you know, psychologically, I provide a lot of coaching and stuff like that, just to kind of pass on these skills that I've learned and really have to work on daily. It's not like I'm a master or anything. I mean, these things are kind of, you know, it takes a long, long time to feel very comfortable. Um, and it honestly helps me. And I love passing that information on. So
0: Amazing. Yeah. I teach what I need to know. <laughs> it's That reinforcement is so important. So Awesome. And um, so for those of you who want to check out Dr. Keegan Hadley's book, again, it's called Torn Overcoming the Psychological Challenges Post-ACL Injury. Thank you so much for being with us today and best of luck on the book launch. I think it's launching today, right?
1: Yep. Yep. Today's the day.
0: Amazing. So go, go track down Dr. Keegan Hadley. Thank you for being with us today and best of
1: luck. Thank you so much.
0: If you or anyone you know is struggling thinking about suicide, you can contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline 24 hours a day and speak with someone at area code 800-273-8255. National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is there for you 24 hours a day, 800-273-8255. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Perform Happy Podcast. If you're ready to unlock your maximum sport potential, head over to performhappy.com and join us. You'll be training alongside world champion athletes and Olympic hopefuls. And I will personally take you through my research-based system for overcoming fear and mental blocks, building confidence and finding your flow. I'm coach Rebecca Smith, and I'll see you next time.